Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Elizabeth Wang. Elizabeth is the Executive Director of Brand Building and Communications at Piedmont Healthcare, which is Georgia's largest healthcare provider. In this episode, we talk about elevating promise stories, communicating across multiple stakeholder groups, and why work from anywhere is a better framing than work from home or hybrid work. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Ron. Elizabeth Wang is the Executive Director of Brand Building and Communications at Piedmont Healthcare, Georgia's largest healthcare provider with 16 hospitals, 2,600 clinically integrated physicians, and 30,000 employees. Elizabeth joined Piedmont in 2008, starting in a then newly created position leading physician communications. She currently has the privilege of leading a team of smart and creative writers as she oversees internal and external communications as well as brand building. Her career began in secondary classroom teaching high school English, and she also had a brief stint in residential remodeling sales. She's married to Scott, a professional photographer, and she's a mom to two furry kids, Sophie and Pearl. In her free time, she reads, cooks, and occasionally blogs about one or the other at litandleisure.com. Connect with her on Twitter at Elizabeth underscore Wang and on LinkedIn. Elizabeth, thanks for being with me. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. No, super fun. So we just read a little bit about Piedmont Healthcare, but for those that aren't familiar, what is Piedmont Health? And can you share a little bit more about the scope of the organization beyond the fact that you have 30,000 staff members that you're responsible for communicating to? Yeah. So we have 16 hospitals. We are based in Atlanta, Georgia, but we serve patients from on the east side from Athens, Georgia. So for any Georgia Bulldog fans, uh, we have a hospital there all the way to the west side of the state to Columbus, Georgia, where there's a fairly sizable Auburn contingency, so War Eagle, but, and that is my alma mater. So I, so I lean to the west side of the state and then everywhere in between. So as far north as Jasper, Georgia, and as far south as Macon. So a fairly good size coverage of the state. This is unofficially a Syracuse University podcast, so you keep your war eagle different color orange <laughs> than what we're used to over here. So your remit in internal communications also includes executive communications, board communications, physician communications, and nursing communications. Discrete cohorts with discrete needs and behaviors. How do you think about messaging these groups? Does the same style of content work across all of them? Does the same channel of communication work across all of them? Or does each group require their own playbook? Yeah, so, uh, so each audience is pretty unique and, and there are variations of how we communicate in order to meet the, the style and preference of, of those uh, different audiences. That said, a lot of our communication, it needs to, the same communication needs to reach all the different audiences. My team is left with this challenge of how do we deliver consistent communication to all these different audiences in the way that they like to receive it. And so there are some communication vehicles that work really well for employees that are more desk-based, you know, email, intranet is very easy for them. And then there are other cohorts like nurses, even physicians that probably need to verbally tell them something if it's really important. And so uh, in most healthcare organizations and definitely at Piedmont, we have something called safety huddles. And these are uh, once a shift, 
uh, meetings that start with the administrative team. And so there's a daily safety huddle across all of our entities with local, with the local leaders. Then they share the most important information from the day and then that gets filtered down to each department. And so those are really good, uh, really good vehicles for communicating to frontline staff things that are really, really important. The intranet that you use is intended for employees, but I was surprised to hear that only a small percentage of the doctors are employees. How does this dynamic play out where critical information needs to be communicated to colleagues that are in your building, but are not employees? Yeah, I think that that's one big surprise that that patients have, that our consumers have, is that our doctors are not employees of our health system, or at least a majority of them are not. We have what's called a clinically integrated network. So in your intro for me, you said that there are 2,600, I think now there's, we're probably up to 2,700 clinically integrated physicians. Of those 2,700, about a third are employed. They are employed by Piedmont Healthcare and about two thirds are not employed. Because they are in a clinically integrated network, we can treat them a little bit differently than a general medical staff. And so those physicians do have credentials to get into some systems within Piedmont. And so we do rely on the intranet for them for kind of a, if you think about a basis, a foundation of information and they have the access, it's not always easy for them to get to. And so we make sure that there are other mechanisms that we're using. So we probably put more information in an email that's going to go to them. And we do that more frequently with updates so that the important things that the physicians need to know, particularly those physicians that are a part of our clinically integrated network, uh, they have it at their fingertips and we, we do try to make it easy for them. Many businesses have been developing return to office policies. Obviously, you've been in person throughout the pandemic and you've had to develop workplace policies in real time. Are there lessons that you've learned or best practices that you've developed in how you communicate these policies to colleagues and employees? And what can be imparted to colleagues in more traditional office settings as they consider the the return to office strategies? COVID has been provided challenges on a lot of different fronts and return to the office is is just one of them. And I would say that this is something that we are still in the midst of figuring out there were a number of groups that figured out very quickly that the remote situation worked very well for them. And, and they said pretty early on that they would not come back to the office and they haven't and it, and it continues to work well. As a healthcare organization, obviously the majority of our workers, working from home is not possible. To, to deliver patient care, you have to be at the bedside. And so, sort of respecting the core of our work and understanding that the majority of our employees can't work from home. That's our, our business is not that, but then allowing those that can work from home and should work from home. It's been an interesting balance. And I think the future of Piedmont will always have, obviously we'll always have those who don't work from home. I think that we will have more who work from home Uh, in the future than we did pre-COVID. But I think that we will end up in some kind of hybrid state that really pays homage and respect to our frontline care workers and the work that they do while understanding that business could continue to be done 
with working from anywhere. And, you know, that with a, with a system like Piedmont that's as large as we are, again, you know, 16 hospitals across the state, I really like the term work from anywhere rather than work from home or working remotely because that really reflects our business more than some of the other descriptors because as a, as a system office employees, as a communication lead, I may be working out of any of our hospitals. In fact, I have a, there are a couple of hospitals that are closer to my home where I live than where my office used to be. And so going into the office for me might end up being going into the hospital one day. And so I think that we're going to really end up with a hybrid approach that, again, respects the core of our work, but also understands that our employees are individuals that have needs and we can be flexible and meet those needs while still uh, driving our strategic business goals. We'll get you out on this question. Piedmont's purpose statement is also its promise statement. And so patient stories and doctor stories are called promise stories. Editorially, how does a promise story come to be and where does it get distributed to? How do you identify the important stories to share? Are there content formats that have proven to be particularly successful? So Piedmont's purpose is our promise, and that's to make a positive difference in every life we touch. And so it's a part of our culture to begin every meeting with sharing a promise story that is asking the participants of the meeting, does anybody have a promise story? Do any of you have a real life example of how you've seen a team member make a positive difference in someone's life? And that positive difference may be for a patient. It may be for a family member or a visitor, but it may be for a fellow colleague. And so we've created a culture around storytelling where we really try to share and emphasize all of those fantastic stories that might otherwise go unseen of where a team member has made a positive difference. So in that culture of storytelling, of course, there are some stories that are like, wow, this needs to be shared on a greater platform on a bigger level. And so might share it on social or we might share it internally in a newsletter or on the intranet, depending on what the story story is, it might make a great video. So we might get our content team engaged and say, hey, this is a story that warrants being told by video. So really handling those stories on a case-by-case basis, but understanding that many of them really need to be told on a higher level. Some of them great make great media pitches and the local news uh, stations may be be involved or be interested in them. So um, it's really fun to to find those stories and to share them across all of our platforms when that's what's called for. And from a content standpoint, we really do find that that is the most engaging of our content. Team members love to read about other team members. And they like to, because they see themselves, people like to read about themselves. And so people like to see stories about people like themselves. I've found too, that this is is such an important part of your culture. So those promise stories that really elevate making a positive difference, very often they they are employees living our values. And so it becomes this really nice cycle of 
hey, I saw my team member doing this. That's going to encourage me and spur me on to live our values. It's built into the way that we recognize our employees. So our recognition program is built on those promise stories and stories of employees living our values. And it really is this nice cycle that that reinforces the things that we really want our employees to do and to live uh, and how we want them to care for each other and care for our patients. I lied. I have one more question, but it was inspired by this wonderful answer that you just gave. I think most businesses take time to think about their culture and they use content as a way to help facilitate that culture. Anyone who was paying attention to the news over the last year and a half saw horror story after horror story about frontline workers in hospital settings and just how difficult it was for them emotionally and spiritually. What I'm struck by is that this isn't just a culture building exercise, but maybe also a morale building exercise. And that feels a little bit different to me. Is there an intention around morale? Do you think about that with some of these stories? And is there a way to measure like increase or improvement in morale? Because culture is a little bit of a nebulous thing, right? But morale feels like something that could be a little bit more tangible. How do you think about that distinction? Absolutely. And the promise stories that we tell about our staff really became a very intentional and double down effort, particularly as we were going through this most recent Delta surge in our hospitals, because morale is an issue there. You, you cannot walk into a hospital anywhere across the United States and not see that morale is an issue. And we see that in very real ways with healthcare workers exiting the workforce. And so our turnover rates are impacted. And, and so we at Piedmont, we rallied around the hashtag still our heroes. And we looked for and found those stories and reminded our team members that you are still heroes. You are still doing heroic things. And in the minds of those of us who are not frontline, you are still our heroes. And we see you and we see how hard it has been on you for 18 months. And we thank you and we appreciate you. And those are really, those are words that, that really feel like not enough. For what, for what they've done, for what they've gone through. It seems of little consequence, but to the extent that we can, we're going to remind you that you are still our heroes. I'm joined today by Elizabeth Wang. She is the Executive Director of Brand Building and Communications at Piedmont Healthcare. Give her a follow on Twitter and LinkedIn. The Twitter handle again is at Elizabeth underscore Wang. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today. Thanks, Brian.